How many of you would let the Lord Jesus turn your life upside down if that's what he wanted to do? No one? <laughs> really? Really? Or would you run from it? Would you run from it? No. no. Would you embrace it? Sure. Yes. sure. Would you reject it? No. no. Would you hide from it? No. no. Or would you disbelieve it? Yes. <laughs> yeah, we're coming to the end of, the, of this uh, liturgical year in the church. Next weekend is the last Sunday before we begin the season of Advent. And this time of year, not only in the Gospels for daily Mass, but also for the Sunday Mass, the readings tend to be a little more apocalyptic. It's not so much about the prediction of the end times or forecasting this, the ultimate destiny of the world or the prediction of some terrible violence or destruction, but it's something that's viewed as a prophetic revelation. You know, from the Greek word apocalypsis, which means to uncover. Or in Latin, let's give you a Latin phrase, a Latin word you can learn today. Revelatio, you can all say that, right? Revelatio, it means to reveal, or in some sense to unveil something, to remove this veil, if you will. The gospel today is about Jesus removing the veil. He's revealing something to you and me. He speaks about things which will turn people's lives upside down. What did we hear him talking about? Religious persecutions. What would happen with the social and economic and political world as well? There would be war and insurrection, natural disasters, families breaking apart. But what would be most serious to the people is when he talks about the temple, which was adorned with costly stones and votive offerings, right? We heard that in the gospel. For the Jewish people, this was the most beautiful and most important building in the Jewish world. And Jesus is telling them it's going to be destroyed. And it was destroyed in the year 70 A.D., he says, the day will come when there will not be a, left a stone upon another stone that will not be thrown down. Just this statement alone for Jesus' listeners back in that time, it would have turned their religious world completely upside down. The thing most treasured by them would be destroyed. Now Luke, St. Luke was writing about 50 years after, this is kind of puts all this into a little bit of a historical context. He's writing about 50 years after the death and resurrection of Jesus. During this time in the church was great persecution, great persecution. As people were turning to Christianity, as people were becoming, were going through a conversion to following Jesus, they were being persecuted. They were being thrown out of temples. Because of their belief in Jesus and the power of his resurrection, they were being disowned by family members. And as we heard, even some being put to death. 
But recalled in John's gospel, Jesus said, destroy this temple and in three days I will raise it up. Fifty years following the death and resurrection of Jesus, his own body is now the true temple. The veil is unremoved. This new revelation. And this would turn people's lives upside down. It upsets the apple cart. Why? Why? Because if we are to be a follower of Jesus Christ, it places new demands upon us. Life is not the same anymore. We can't live life just as we always do. Discipleship is costly. It's costly. People oftentimes did not, do not know how to respond to Jesus and his teachings. They were too entrenched in the past and in the notion of their future. This is why they could not accept Jesus' teaching. But Jesus' central revelation here is that all things will pass away. Political and religious institutions, the family, bodily health, nothing lasts. Everything dies. You know, so often I think we seek our fulfillment and our salvation in these things, the things of this world. We plan our lives according to the things of this world. We base our success according to the things of this world. How many of you got up this morning thinking about heaven? Wow. Wow, don't you want to go there? How many of you want to go there? How come we're not thinking about it? Right? What makes you think you're going to go there if you never think about it? Right? Or do you just have this presumption that you're going to heaven? Well, you know, presumption is a sin. We just presume that we're going to go. We just, we're, if we're nice people on earth, we're going to go to heaven. Is that what we think? I hope that's not what we think. How many of you got up this morning thinking about Jesus and what he wants for your life today? Huh? Like your, sa- your Savior. We don't even think about our Savior. Wow. That speaks to, I think that's, that touches on what our relationship with Jesus might be like if we don't think about him. It might think about our, what our desire, our true desire for heaven might be like if we never think about heaven. Think about that. It's not what Jesus wants. You know? Why are so many Catholics leaving the church today? Probably many reasons, but one of them is that Jesus and heaven are not the focus of their lives, I would have to say. If heaven is not our focus, how can we expect to get there? If we're not pursuing heaven, we're pursuing things on earth. We can't have both. Where's our ultimate? What's our ultimate goal? Right? Is to get to heaven. Shouldn't that be our primary focus in this life? If that's our deepest desire. You know, people plan out their human life, don't they? You all prepare for the future. You know, plans of getting, including getting a good education. Right? Why? So you can provide for the future. There's nothing wrong with this. Don't get me wrong. There's nothing wrong with this. 
We do have to live as human beings in this world, in this society, in this culture. But in the midst of it all, in the midst of living in this world, in this culture, in this society, and in the midst of it all, where is Jesus for you? Where is Jesus in the midst of all of this? Some nice thought out there? Or is he personal and close to us? Personal and close. Do we have that intimate relationship with him? I would suggest if we're not taking time for prayer every day with Jesus, we don't think we have the relationship with him perhaps that we think we do. Think about that. Or do we only go to Jesus when we want something from him? Right? How often does that happen? We only turn to him when we want something. That's a relationship of usury for our own personal pleasures. That's not a healthy relationship, I'm telling you. That's not a healthy relationship. So what is the plan for our spiritual life? What is your plan for your spiritual life that will help you get to heaven? Do you have one? Do you have one? You know, Jesus warns us that our lives won't be easy. Jesus knows clearly that we can become very attached to money and possessions and to the things of this world. And what he knows that these things will lead us to a great danger of falling into a, a, a mediocre, stifling and unfulfilled life. He said, I came so you may have life to the full. How many are you living life to the full in Christ Jesus? Um, he came for that. He came for that. We are not created for comfort. You and I have been created for greatness. Have you thought about that? That each one of you have been created for greatness. Wow. Greatness. And he encourages us to persevere in our journey with him. He says, by your perseverance, you will secure your lives. There can be no holiness without perseverance. And so Jesus today is he's telling us to seek the one thing that will last. The one thing that will last. What is that? It's himself. So long as we cling to him, every day our lives will be secure. He is the rock of our salvation. And you know what? He wants to give you and me so much more. So much more. I don't think we want it. Because there'll be a demand placed upon it. It's called discipleship. But he said, everything will pass away, but he will, is what will always remain. He is eternal. In seeking Jesus Christ and seeking him above all things, he will also turn our lives upside down. And maybe that's what we're afraid of. That's what we're afraid of. You know, the people of Jesus' day didn't get it. Why? Because they were stuck. They were stuck in their own, in their own way of thinking. They were stuck in their own belief systems and they could not or would not think outside the box. Is that us? Is that us? 
You know, Jesus' message today is not a doomsday message. It's not at all. It's a message of true freedom. Because only true freedom lies in him and him alone. If you want to be free, seek Jesus. If you want to be free, seek Jesus. To live in faith in Jesus Christ is to live outside the box, so to speak. Risking and believing in the impossible. I don't think many people believe in miracles. I do. I believe in the impossible. Everything is possible with God. In faith, when I have given my life to the Lord, it produces in me, in all of us, a sense of detachment. And when I live a detached life in faith, my faith is no longer tied to success, to the goods of this world, to approval. <coughs> Failure doesn't bother me. Why? Because when this happens, we live in a different realm of existence. In other words, we're truly free. We're truly free. The things of this world are less important. I'm not bothered by the hardships that come my way. They are no longer distractions because my faith, my existence, my growth in holiness and the spiritual life are rooted in the power of God. And when this happens, we become free to let God's life flow through us. And this is what gives us power. I mean, how many of you want the power of God in you? <laughs> You're not convincing me. <laughs> I hate to say it, we should be jumping up and down, right? If we're truly committed. <clears throat> Faith in Christ, Jesus, is power. It's power. True faith lifts us up out of our little narrow world in which we live. And it connects us to the power and mystery of God in ways we can't imagine or fathom. This was a problem for the Jewish people of Jesus' day. They didn't get it. It's precisely why they did not understand Jesus' message, because they lived in their own little narrow world, a world which would pass away. And perhaps things haven't changed all too much. So when you and I are connected to God in faith, we are connected to this enormous power. Because this is what the kingdom of God is like. This is what the kingdom of God looks like. It is powerful for those who have surrendered themselves to it. If you and I, if we want to be truly free each day, every single day, we must surrender our lives to Christ in a very intentional way. That's why I asked you the question, did you think of Jesus when you got up this morning? If we don't think of him, we, we will not surrender our lives to him every day in a very intentional way. And if we don't, then we will be drawing, drawn into living the ways of this world. My dear friends, Jesus today, this morning, in this moment, he's asking each of us, every single one of us, no matter if we're this big, over 80 or 90 years old, no matter who we are, what we are, 
how we are. He's asking each one of us this morning to give our lives to him again in a very purposeful, intentional way. Will you do that? Will you do this here in this Mass today? Tell Jesus you want to surrender your life to him again in a very intentional way. In surrendering your life to Christ, he may turn your life upside down. You know, when I did this many years ago, he led me out of a flying career and into the priesthood. I wouldn't be standing here before you today if he had not turned my life upside down. Yes, he did that. But Jesus has promised, do you believe this? Jesus has promised that he would never, ever, ever abandon us. Do you believe that? He is calling each of us to sacrifice and persevere for him. And in doing so, if he turns our life upside down, if he turns your life upside down, know that it will always be for your greater good and for his greater purpose and glory. Why would anyone not want that?